Welcome everybody. Today we are going to be looking at how to turn your biggest problem into your greatest gift. How many of you are facing problems in life? How many? I recently I was asking an audience, there's um, an audience of the church. I was like, how many people are going through a problem right now? And everybody was raising their hands. And they looked around. They're like, whoa! I thought I was the only one who was going through a problem. But I'm sorry to break it to you that. So many people are going through challenges right now. So that's why I believe that this uh, training is going to be extremely relevant to many who are watching. We're going to be showing you how you can turn, how you can solve any problem, and how you can turn your greatest problem into your your biggest blessing. And uh, we're going to be looking at this a little bit more. My name is Enoch Leffingwell, and here at the Army of Youth, we are passionate about helping young people to identify their unique talents and to dedicate them to the Lord's service. If this is something that interests you, then I encourage you to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social so you can get more messages just like this one. So in looking at um, solving problems, first of all, we want to identify what is a problem? What does a problem look like? Uh, problems are another name for problem is like a trial or a tribulation or maybe there's an obstacle that's in the way of progress or maybe there's some sort of trouble that we're going through or you're going through a difficult situation a crisis is happening in your life you're having issues or perplexities or hardships all of these are just when I'm saying problems during this uh, discussion we're talking about one of these uh, areas these difficult situation crisis issues just think about it in terms of, of that uh, way. Now, I want to ask you a question on a scale from 1 to 10. Uh, how comfortable are you with problems? And I want you to grab a piece of paper or pull up your phone, take some notes, grab something that you could write no notes on because I want you to write down this number at the beginning. And, and do it right now. Stop what you're doing and write on a scale from 1 to 10, how comfortable are you with problems? Would someone be able to help set up that TV again? This uh, with, with number one is that I hate and avoid problems. I wish they would just go away. And number 10, I love problems and solving them. And I want bigger problems in my life. What number are you on? You just got to push the power button from below. Bottom right. No, you didn't. The, it's on the bottom. That's not a button. There you go. Um, perfect. You don't have to hold it, just press it once. Um, so on a scale of 1 to 10, write down what number that is. And um, if, if you push it once, there you go. Now, um, it does, it, it's okay whatever number you are. The key here is just to be honest and what that looks like. Um, so I am, uh, apologize, we are having some difficulties here trying to... Um, Click away. All right. Now, um, can I get a volunteer to um, read John 16.33? John 16.33. I want to reframe in our mind when we look at problems, what does that mean to us? Because I would submit to you that problems is a, a sign of life. You know um, who are the only people that don't have problems? They are six feet in the ground. Those are the people, they're dead people. They're the only ones who don't have problems in life. So, um, what, and I, I really like the way that, that Jesus uh, puts it. If, if you have problems, that simply means that you're living. In John 16, 33, can I get a volunteer to read that for us? And if you want to volunteer online, just unmute yourself. Thank you, Sister Tina. Go ahead. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me he might have peace. In the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So what's a tribulation? Yeah. Tina? A problem. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> and did Jesus say that as long as we're in the world, we're not going to have any problems? Did he promise this like peace and smooth path and no mm -hmm. issues coming up in life? Yeah, he said just the opposite. <laughs> yeah, just the opposite. So the In fact the word, that we shall have, have. Amen. But we can be of good cheer. So in other words, cheerfulness, joy, happiness. This is not the result of an absence of problems in our life. 
In fact, the fact that we have problems just simply means that we're living. It means that we are experiencing life. So, uh, hope, we're, we're going to be reframing a little bit what this means. What happens, uh, I, I want to suggest to you that problems postponed create crises in our life. How many of you have ever seen a computer say, like, restarts, update needed, um, we, we, uh, we need to restart in order to update the software. And w what do we do? We often, uh, we postpone, we hit remind later, and after we click that postpone or update later, what eventually happens to our computer? We get these, uh, these crashes, this blue screen of death, and things start malfunctioning, right? Um, and so it is with our problems, that problems that are not solved will eventually come back until it's solved. And if we don't solve them, that's how crises come in our lives and crashes in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, in, in different areas. When we don't address the problems of our life, that's how the biggest issues start to come up. So what I have since found is that whatever it is that I'm tending to procrastinate, that's usually a sign to me that it's something I need to lean into. I need to put more time, energy, focus, and effort to solving that problem. And this becomes easier once you understand this framework that I'm going to be sharing with you later of how to solve any problems. How many people want to solve some problems? Uh, that, then we're in the right place. So uh, sometimes we feel like uh, we could just be going throughout life like this hamster and just going just in circles like this vicious cycle, procrastinating our problems, going around and around and always moving but never really getting anywhere. Does, does it feel like that with our problems sometimes? It's hard to solve things. It's hard to address things when you don't know the solution. Um, but what is it that would help us to get a better life, help us to... Uh, find more more strength and, and clarity in this confusion. Uh, Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Can I get another volunteer uh, to read this for us? All you have to do is unmute yourself and I'll call on you. Luke 16 10. This is Okay, go ahead, Sister Margarita. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful okay. also in okay. much. And he it. that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You just disconnected our camera. Please don't touch that wire. Okay, but thank you. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, thank you very much. I believe that was Margaretha. Um, so, what is showing us how we could be faithful also in much is by being really faithful in the little things. So, um, in other words, what this is showing us is that um, the quality of our life comes down to the quality of the problems that we have. If we want a better quality life, we need better quality problems. Luke 16.10, it shows us if we're faithful with these little problems, then we could be faithful also in larger problems. Don't worry about it. You can, you can go back to your seat. I appreciate your help. Um, it, we can go to larger problems, and, um, our, and when that happens, it, helps, it equips us. The, the faithfulness in the little problems equips us for taking on larger difficulties in life um, where it doesn't crush us, but it actually equips us. And it's really helpful to realize in Psalms 119.71 shows that everything in life is happening for you, not to you. Uh, this was something that really hit me is that you can always, I've heard it once said before, you can always tell the size of a man by the size of the problem that gets him down. Something that really helps me is just whenever I'm facing a problem in life, I ask, well, is this the size of the man that I am? And then it like really puts in perspective. It's like, whoa, it's like in Christ, this is not a problem that uh, should get me down. So rather like, I would encourage you, pray not that you have no more problems, but start praying that you get better. 
2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus promises, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is very interesting because, um, actually, let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And if you guys have a comment or a question, um, then we could, we can go over it together. Did, uh, was that Angela? Were you unmuted for a moment? Did you want to say something? Second Corinthians twelve nine. Hmm. Can I um, can I get a volunteer to read verse nine and ten? Okay, go ahead. It says, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Wow, did you catch that? What Paul is saying here is saying that he, is, he actually takes pleasures in his problems. When he faces problems in life, that's where he glories. That's where he finds joy and strength and rejoicing in his biggest problems. Why? How did Paul look at problems differently? Because a lot of us, when we go through trials, obstacles, tribulations, and problems, we're like, woe is me, for I am undone. And we want to like run away from our problems and avoid them. But Paul is leaning into them. He's saying, yes, I love problems in my life. Why? Why was it in this verse? He recognized, go ahead. Because um, he knew that, that if he's weak, that God's strong and God will carry him through. That's right. And he liked to be weak because then he knew he was with God. He knew his dependence upon God. Yeah. It is, uh, you know what grace is? We often pray for grace. God's grace is, in verse 9, the power of Christ. It is his strength to overcome any obstacle. It is his strength to overcome any sin, any difficulty that we may be facing in life. Go ahead, Sister Tina. Yeah, that really reminds me of, like, I mean, the state of the, wor the world. Uh, like, especially in the States, the reason why they, a lot of them, they, don't, they profess Christianity, but they don't know God is because they, um, they have everything that they need but then when you go to places that like have a lot of problems and when you go to people that have a lot of problems a lot of times their straight um their connection with god is a lot stronger than those who don't have as many problems and that have everything they need that is so true thank you for sharing um the it, it's amazing how we uh how, could it be possible that the very thing that we're trying to avoid is the means by which God is seeking to give you His grace? And, uh, and truly, I've, I've been finding that the, the secret to a better quality life is to having better quality problems. Uh, new, a, a lot of times, um, we, we are we're facing different uh, challenges, but then when we realize... Um, that like when a new problem comes up, like I'm starting to recognize and say, Hey, is this a, uh, like, this is a bigger, it, it almost seems like as soon as we solve something smaller, a bigger issue comes and we're like, Oh no. But in reality, it's like, wait, this is a better quality problem. And like a practical example is some people are trying to solve the problem of, of like just waking up in the morning and they're trying to find their purpose and a reason to live or a reason to exist or a reason to get out of bed to get dressed or take a shower like that's the problem that they have that's the size of the quality of their life that they're trying to figure out now others they can get a little bit further than that and there some people are trying to find out how to solve some major world issues or trying to solve issues in the community and you can see the quality of their life the impact that they're able to have the value they're able to add is like based on the problems that they're solving. 
Others are trying to solve problems that are worldwide or international. And you can see those who are um, solving, like the, the bigger the, solve, uh, the problem we solve, the more impact and value we can add to the cause of God, to the marketplace, to the community, wherever it is that we're trying to serve. And when we realize that, it, it really, for me, it's transformed the way that I see uh, different problems. Glad we got this up again. So um, I like this photo. If you look at this photo of, of these uh, staircases, it's very interesting uh, because the, these staircases, they kind of represent to me that uh, every time that we, a problem, think of it like every step as a, stair, uh, as a problem because as soon as problems never go away, they just change. Every time a problem is solved, a new problem arises. That's Luke 16, 10. The, the more problems we solve, the bigger they get. And a life of joy and fulfillment is a life of solving increasingly bigger problems. Um, and sometimes it starts with solving our own problems in God's Word. And as we find solutions, then we find others who are going through similar issues and we start sharing with them and, and helping them to solve theirs. And then when we could do it one-on-one, -on -one, then we could do it one-on-one. On, in a group setting and then when you do it in group setting we can do one to many and then and just scaling up the, the possibilities of being able to solve the problems that people face in life that's uh, that is exciting another thing to to reframe or, or to reconsider uh, or look at problems differently is um, is I would I, I would venture to say that the very fact that there is a problem means there's a solution. But the question is, do you focus on the problem or do you focus on the solution? Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Seek and ye shall find. You will find what you look for. So in life, are you looking for solutions or are you looking for problems? Do you like to talk about your problems? and complain about the problems and, and bring attention to all the issues and struggles of your life? Or do you bring attention and focus of others and the focus of your own about the solutions that God has given, the victories, the, this, the testimonies of His power to overcome these problems? Uh, here's a thought. Instead of telling God how big your problems are, why not start telling your problems how big your God is? In Mark 10:27, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. We are too prone to look at obstacles as impossibilities. But we serve a God that if we have faith the grain of a mustard seed, we can turn the mountains of difficulties into molehills. And that's what God wants us, that's how God wants us to look at these problems. Do, in your mind, do problems mean there's a solution? Or do problems just mean that there's an unsolvable mystery and it's just causing much perplexity? And because there's so much confusion, that means I want to avoid it and I wish it would go away. It's like, what does it mean to you? Because the meaning that you attach to problems, I want you to see this, will determine whether you are equipped or you receive the, the resources that God has available to you to solve any problem. We have to change the way that we look at these things. Another way that we can look at this is to recognize that problems mean opportunities. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's read... Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 1 4. 2 Corinthians 1 4. Um, and I could get a volunteer to read this for us. And I know this is one of Kathy's uh, favorite verses, so we'll have her read it. 2 Corinthians 1 4. Uh, problems mean opportunity. Problems are, uh, there's a purpose for your pain. Would you like to read this for us, uh, Kathy? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Who comforteth us in all our tribulations? that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So what does that mean to you, Kathy? That God is the one that's going to comfort us mm -hmm. in all our tribulations. Amen. And that we can comfort others through it too because we went through it. 
Yeah. Can you say it a little louder? And that we comfort other people on with their pain because we went through it also. Amen. Yeah. That's so true. Can you think back into, like, go back to a time where you had a problem, like five years ago, six, ten years ago, and as you look at that, um, when you look at that problem or that trial, that struggle, I mean, chances are you... Uh, you're really grateful for who it made you and what you learned from that experience. You wouldn't wish it upon your enemy. You wouldn't want to go through that experience again, but aren't you glad that you went through it? See, that problem was a, there's a, there's a purpose to your pain. And because you went through that, I, I promise you, there are other people who go through, who are going through the same exact problem. And when we realize that because we faced it, then um, and we've got, we've came out on the other side. There are others who are going through it right now. They're in the midst. And we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse uh, 13. I'd, I'd like a, another volunteer to read this. A lot of times we feel like, well, our problems are unique to us. And nobody else is going through these issues. And, um, and like I, I mentioned before, like I had the entire church like raise their hand. How many people are going through a problem right now? And everybody raised their hand. And some people afterwards are like, whoa, I thought I was the only one going through problems. And I thought these people's lives were just so happy and cheerful and no issues. And I'm just like, I was shocked to see all those hands raised. But um, you know how you can tell if someone is going through a very severe challenge in their life right now? If they're breathing. The way that I know that someone's going through a difficulty is if they're breathing, we saw that problems is a sign of life and everybody's going through difficulties. You're not alone. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13, oh, this is powerful the way this is. Can I get a volunteer to read this for us? All you have to do is unmute yourself for those who are joining live. First Corinthians 10, 13. Go ahead. All right. There have no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted of that you're able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And a part of this that never stood out to me until recently is that it says there's no temptation, no problem that you experience such as a common to man. That means you're not alone. As much as Satan wants to tell you you're alone, these are lies. They're not your thoughts. A lot of times we think we're thinking, but we're not really thinking, we're listening. So we have to be careful whose voice we're going to listen to. But it's common to man. If you're going through an experience, someone else is too. And what's powerful is when you look back five years, ten years, the different challenges you face, and you're still alive afterwards, you've learned how to deal with it, there's other people who are in the midst of the greatest storm of their life. Even when that used to be the greatest storm of your life. But they're in the midst. You got through the storm. And you can comfort others where with the same comfort you were comforted of God. You can help them to find the solutions that you wish you had when you were in their situation. I find that is so powerful. Some of the greatest opportunities that we have arise out of the biggest most difficult problems that we've experienced in life. There's a purpose to our pain. So what do problems mean to you? Do problems mean opportunity? Or do problems mean this terrible thing that you want to avoid? Um, it's all the way that we look at it. And it's faith or doubt. You can see um, doubt sees difficulty in every opportunity, but faith sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Which one do you want to exercise? I'm... I'm continually amazed about how some people are often how we are so prone and so experienced at finding and collecting all the difficulties we can gather up through all these possibilities and all we can see is the obstacles and challenges. But if we just look away from our problems and up to the problem solver, then we're inspired with hope, joy, and peace that uh, tomorrow can hold a, a better future. So another thing that we can see is that uh, problems equal gifts. Problems are uh, gifts from God. Because, um, because if you think about this, 
Look at any solution, any blessing, any tool that we have today, or let's look at the squads for an example. So what we do is um, every week we have thearmyofyouth.com forward slash squads. We have uh, Bible studies that are online and we use Discord. And we had about 65 plus people who joined us last week. That was a blessing, but they're all in small groups. So it's like five to 10 people. And they're coming from all around the world. They're loving it. They're understanding their unique talents. They're dedicating to the Lord's service. Their people are finding direction from God, clarity through their confusion. They're understanding uh, life and their calling in ways that they've never seen before. But this didn't always exist. Why does this life-transforming ministry exist now? It's because there was a problem. What was the problem that these squads, these weekly online small groups are solving? One, people were lonely. They were without fellowship. Or COVID just kind of shut down and locked down the world and they wanted more. Uh, There's a lot of Zooms that are available and people would go live and they can't interact and talk and they're just sitting watching a video, which isn't as engaging. So we wanted to create interactive online Bible studies, a discussion, not a sermon, not a talk or a speech, but a discussion where people are able to talk and interact and participate, get their questions answered, share testimonies, and really feel like they're part of a family. So we wanted to give people an opportunity to dedicate their talents to Christ's service. This is a problem. When you go to church, there's only a few people that you could really fit up front in the pews and the way that church is often, I'm not in the pews, but in, in front, um, the way the church is often run. But all of you have talents. All of you have gifts and contributions to Christ's service that you could provide. How could we give opportunity to a greater amount of people without the limitations that come from just the weekend services? And thus, the online Bible study squads uh, arose. And through this problem came a gift. Now we have a gift to offer others who are lonely, who are hurting, who are idle, who are inactive, who want more clarity in this confusing times that we're living in. And we have something to provide people. So I want you to see that every, uh, every, everything that is a blessing for people, it started off with a problem before it was solved. But here's a secret. Do you want to know the secret to solving any problem? It's found in Revelation chapter 12, 11. See, I read of a man who was trapped in a blizzard. You see, he had a problem. He was about to die. He actually gave up the struggle of life and shows, you know what? This is the end. I can't make it through until he found another man who was also trapped in the blizzard, who was in a worse off condition than himself. Then his humanity was aroused and he hoists the man up upon his arms and he carried him off into safety and his blood coursed through his vein and revitalized his life. And and as he carried the man to safety, the truth flashed before his eyes that in saving his neighbor, he ended up saving himself. The secret to solving any problem is by solving the problems of others. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. The uh, Kamran, would you like to read this for us? Okay. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So what does that mean to you, Kamran? Well, part of overcoming is our testimony, our, like, the experiences we've gone through, the different problems we've had, and I find that that the testimonies of others have helped me, so that's pretty cool. We need each other. We really do. And that is so true. And God wants to turn our test into our testimony. He wants to turn your mess into your message, your losses into lessons. And you have something to offer the world. You have something to offer Christ and the cause of Christ that your challenges, your backgrounds, what God is showing us is how to turn our trauma into a gift because other people are going through similar struggles. And the secret of overcoming is by helping others to overcome. The secret of solving any of your problems is go find someone who's dealing with the similar problem and they're trying to solve it and you go 
lock arms with them and say, hey, we're going to get out of this together. We're going to figure this out with each other. And by helping them solve their problems, you will find clarity in your own. That's the law of imparting. That's how God works. A lot of times we, f- we feel so inadequate and like I have to be perfect before I share with anyone. But the truth is you will never solve your problems until you start helping others to solve theirs. You don't have to be perfect before you get started. You, there's action breeds clarity just by, it's, it, by moving and going in the direction you believe God is calling you and helping others to come along, you will find far more clarity than if you just sit in unbelief waiting for perfect knowledge. Because God doesn't promise to give us all of the steps. He gives you sufficient evidence upon which to base your decisions today. And when you walk in that light, He gives you greater light and He solves more and more of your problems in life. But we have to go and seek to solve the problems of others. And if you guys have any questions or comments or want to share another verse, you're welcome to just unmute yourself and I will call on you. Um, I, can I get... Uh, welcome, Sister Alonso. Glad you could join us. We're looking at um, how to turn our biggest problem into our greatest gifts. Let's, uh, let's, can I get a volunteer to read Proverbs 31, verse 18? Proverbs 31 is talking about the, 30, uh, the virtuous woman. This is uh, the description of God's people, uh, a faithful, virtuous woman. Proverbs 31, 18, and I'd like to get a volunteer. It says something very interesting about this woman. And... Uh, in Bible prophecy, what does a woman represent in Scripture? A church. A church. And we know that because Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we're looking at this virtuous woman, this wife, and the church represents not just females, but male and female. All of God's people is to be represented here. But notice what the Bible says about her in verse 18. And if you want to volunteer to read on... Discord. Go ahead, Sister Margrethe. We just want to mute yourself and I'll I'll call on you. Okay. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. Thank you. So, uh, the virtuous woman perceiveth her merchandise is good. Now, what is merchandise? Merchandise is a product that you offer others for monetary value. You see, the virtuous woman is an entrepreneur. It says later on in the chapter that she buyeth a vineyard and, and planteth it. That's a business. This woman is a business owner. She is, she is able to handle real estate. She, it's not that she has no financial ability. She, uh, this chapter says that she, does, uh, she purchases things from the merchants afar. She does business overseas. She's an international business owner. This is, uh, she's very industrious. That the virtuous woman is an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs solve problems. Every business solves a problem. Every uh, product or service is solving a problem. Every message, every sermon, every talk, any time that you're communicating, the, uh, the purpose of every message, I believe, is to solve a problem, a specific problem. Every tool is solving a problem. When uh, people go into the hardware store to buy a drill, what are they trying? Do they really want the drill or do they want the hole? They want, they're looking for what their problem is. They've got this wood, they've got this metal, they got something and they need a hole. So what they're looking for is the, the tool, is the problem solver to drill in that hole. Every product, every tool, every ministry is ministering to a need or it's solving a problem. Every organization is solving a problem. So what we're looking at is um, your service to the worlds is in proportion to your ability to solve the world's problems because Christ is the ultimate problem solver and he wants us to look at problems not as the worst thing that could happen to us and we want to avoid but get excited about problems like Paul glory and infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you because you know that his grace is sufficient for every need and every problem and there is a solution in the gospel there's a solution in Christ heaven storehouses are open wide for his faithful believing people to start solving the problems of those around them. The, I believe the people of God, of more people anywhere um, than anyone else, 
God wants to be problem solvers. And it's just how you look, what problems mean to you will determine your ability to solve the world's problems or not, including your own. So another thing is, um, this is, this is part of the ways that we do it. One of the things, if you want to solve problems, you have to understand that we have no problems, only questions. A problem is only a problem because it hasn't been turned into a question yet. As long as a problem is in a statement, you can't solve it. But the moment that you reframe a problem into a question, immediately you can answer it. Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and you shall what? Receive. It shall be given you. You shall receive. So um, if we, and James 4, 2 says, uh, why is the reason that we don't have the solutions we're looking for? Ye have not the solutions because what? Ye ask not. Ye ask not. So as, as soon as you ask, you will receive. But be careful what you ask for because the quality of your life comes down to the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. If you ask a lousy question, what kind of answer are you going to get? You're going to get a lousy answer. But if you ask a great question, you'll get a great answer. Yes? What, what was that scripture you just quoted? James 4.2. I want to say in James 4, 2, let me look that up real fast because I want to um, say something about that. 4, 2, this is, um, oh wait, um, I don't think it's James 4, 2. Um, James. Uh, oh, it's 3. Okay. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it on your lust. So even the questions that you ask, you're asking it wrong. Yeah, that's true. There is a way that we can ask the wrong questions. And when we ask amiss or we ask improperly, uh, then we're not going to get the results, the answers, the solutions the, that we're, we're looking for, that we need, that we're desperately desiring. Um, so we've got to be careful what we ask for. So I'll give you an example of a lousy question. You see, um, I grew up without a father. And... Um, many times as a young child, it used to really bother me because I, I didn't have this father and I started to ask, um, I was asking like, why is this happening to me? Why was I uh, rejected by my father? He knew that I exist. Why isn't he here? And I'm asking, I'm asking this why, but that's a lousy question. A better question to ask is, how is this happening for me? Because Psalms 119.71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. A better question could be, what can I learn from this experience? What can I gain? What can I appreciate about growing up without a father? And when I ask a better quality question, now I can start solving these problems. And now I start to realize, oh, well, I guess growing up without a father, I have greater empathy for those who also are coming from single parents. Like I, I have empathy for the mothers. I have empathy for the children who grew up without a father. Maybe their father was there, but they were so busy with work. Or maybe they're physically present, but emotionally absent. They were not connected with their children. There's a lot of people that are struggling with the relationship with their father like I was. And I realized, wait, I have a... I, um, I can relate to them now that I wouldn't have been able to before. And because of growing up without a father, I have a stronger appreciation for my father in heaven. So you can see that when you change your question, you'll change your life. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. Reap. So I would submit to you that the questions that you ask are the seeds that you're sowing and you will reap the answers that you, of, the seeds you, of the questions that you sow. So you want to be careful what questions you ask. I would encourage you to be hyper aware. If this is new to you, as it was new to me at one point, make a decision right now that for the rest of your life, you're going to start being more aware of the questions you are asking and recognize that this is a skill 
that you, asking questions is a skill you can develop, you can strengthen. And this, I realize that leaders ask great questions. Leaders are masters at understanding what questions to ask and are constantly seeking for better questions. And you can find questions in God's Word. You can find questions from other leaders. You can, when you start asking better quality questions, you make better decisions, have better relationships, you make better health choices, you have a stronger relationship, better prayer life. Because these questions, if any man lack wisdom, we can ask of God. And he gives all men liberally. And um, I realized like learning that asking questions was a skill, 2017 for me, learning I was terrible at asking questions and that this is something I need to develop has been one of these defining moments of my life that it's like the effort I put into this has drastically had return on investments that is far greater than anything I've seen. But what I'm showing, what I, what I want to share is that we only have problems when we haven't turned them into a question yet. The moment you see a problem, if you turn that problem into a question, you can start finding an answer because you can start, you can start, then you can solve it. But as long as you're saying a statement of whatever the problem is like, yeah, I grew up without a father. It's like, well, that, that sounds like a problem, but there's no solution to it. But asking, well, what can I be grateful for about growing up without a father, now I can start solving it. I can start finding answers. I want you to see that because a lot of us are complaining. A lot of us are talking about and stating all these problems that we have in life, all these trials and these issues, and we're not finding the solutions we want because we're not asking the right questions. Yes. We get stuck. Like that vicious cycle. We do. It's true. So there's a there are three when we ask there's a specific way we have to ask in uh, james chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6 i would like a volunteer to read this for us maybe sister alonso could read it for us uh james chapter 1 5 and 6 when we ask these questions and i'm going to give you what questions you can ask we have to ask with absolute certainty and we can see in, in james chapter 1 verse 5 and 6 um how, how does the Bible say that when we ask, we need to ask? Go ahead. Okay, sorry, bear with me. James chapter 1, verse 5, 6, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Thank you. So, uh, but let him that ask in what? In, verse in faith. In faith. So when we ask these questions, we have to have absolute certainty of three things. That number one, there is an answer. Number two, I will find it. And number three, it will be worth it when I do. And when you ask these questions, you're going through a problem, a challenge, a trial, a struggle, Sometimes these questions that I'm about to share with you are not easy to ask, but you have to, you have to choose faith, exercise faith that there is an answer. I will find it and it will be worth it when I do. Because Matthew 9, 29, Jesus says, according to your faith, be it unto you. So in proportion to your certainty and ask how you ask these questions will determine the solutions and the answers that God gives you to overcome and solve these problems. The greater the problem, the greater the faith that you'll need to solve it. Are we, are we following? Are we getting this so far? Mm-hmm. There's a verse in Hebrews 11, 1. It says, Now faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So usually people ask, and if they don't get it right away, they just lose faith right away. Like they're like, oh, God isn't listening. He is not real. But if we ask amiss, like we're not asking according to God's will, you know, he's not going to give us and grant us those things. Like you said, it's the quality of our questions, right? And then we have to have faith that it will come in God's perfect time, not according to our time. Amen. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to drop down for sake of time. We're going to, we're going to look at these, there's these eight questions that we can ask that will change our focus, that will dictate 
where the direction of our mind goes. Um, these, these eight questions, they go like this. The first question, number one, is you have to decide, you have to ask and believe and choose what this means. These are a choice. Uh, it, number one, is this, this problem, this situation, this struggle, this issue, is this the end or is this the beginning? Uh, because if you are at the end of a relationship, are you going to treat that relationship differently than if you're at the beginning of a relationship? If you thought that you're on the way out and you're like, I'm, I'm going to be gone in a moment, so I won't even be here. Would you handle the people differently? Would you talk to them differently? Would, there, would you treat the trials and difficulties you go through if you're at the end of a relationship differently than when you first start? And that willingness to endure, that excitement when you're just getting started, like, there's a complete difference. So we have to decide, we have to choose, is this the end or is this the beginning? Question number two is when everything seems dark and perplexing and confusion is all around, we have to ask, are you being buried in the grave or are you being planted in the ground so that you can spring forth in the newness of life? It's, is this the, the death of you or is this the new life? Is this a new chapter? Is this a new growth? Is this the growth that you've always desired? Because Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So we're going a little fast because we have to close soon. But um, question number three, the question is this happening to you or is this happening for you? Psalms 119.71, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. How many of us would have never known Jesus if it had not been for affliction, problems that led us to the foot of the cross? And this is how, how do you look at the problems? Is this for you? Is this for your greater good? Is this for your growth, for your development, for your blessing, for your joy and happiness? Or like, whoa, problems, joy and happiness? I'm thinking like, I'm going to be happier when I don't have problems. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for a time where you're never going to have problems, that time will never come unless you're six feet under the ground. And that's not the, the best place. That is not God's plan for your life. John 10, 10, Jesus came that you might have life and you might have life more abundantly. Now, the more abundant your life, the more abundant your problems. But the more abundant your problems, we learn from Paul, the more abundant the grace is the strength to endure. So this is just think of your problems like a gym that you're exercising and it's getting stronger and stronger and you're being more equipped and you're able to solve more of the problems of those who you love and those who you care for around you. So the fourth question that we have to ask is, and these are, these are prayers that uh, we are praying to God. These are prayers that we have to wrestle with God, that we have to search in His Word and see, allow God's Word to answer these questions. Is God punishing you or is God answering your prayers? What does this problem mean? In Genesis 50, 20, we see a story of where Joseph was sold into slavery from his brothers. And as he went to slavery, he went to jail. He was falsely accused. He was brought back before Pharaoh and he counseled Pharaoh to go through this economic famine. Now his brothers are starving and they're going over to Egypt and they're trying to get food and they see their brother who they thought they killed. And they're like, what just happened? And Joseph said, look, what you thought for evil to me, God meant for good. So is this, is this a blessing or is this a curse or is this a blessing? Is this God punishing you or is this God answering your prayer? And when we really, like these are our beliefs. It's what we believe about the experience. And the thing about our belief is we can change a belief in a moment, in an instant. Immediately we can choose to believe something else. But what you believe about an experience will drastically determine whether or not um, how you see it and how you endure this and whether you can solve it or whether this problem crushes you as it does to many of us. Um, and if you realize that God's answering your prayers, a, a follow-up question could be, how is God answering your prayers in this situation? And then it changes things. Um, and number, number five is, are you losing or are you gaining? 
This is any time that we're facing on loss, any time we're focusing on loss or we're looking at loss, loss causes suffering, loss causes pain. When you're thinking about losing an opportunity, losing a, a blessing, losing a friend, losing a loved one, losing a job, losing something or losing a character trait or losing, losing something in life, loss causes this pain and suffering. So we have to focus and ask the question, what am I gaining from this experience? What is what is the gain? And when you can look at that um, as, for instance, it's like when Jesus says, if any man follow after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. If we're not willing to take up his cross, that's a sacrifice, that's a loss, then we cannot be his disciples in John 14, 20, 24 through 29. But Paul puts it this way, all those things were gained to me, those I counted as loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, all things but loss, I count them for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, who I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. That's Philippians 3, 7-8. So Paul looked at all those losses as gains. He looked at everything he gained in the world as a loss for Christ. So just, you get to choose what it means to you. You get to choose what you're focusing on. If you focus on the cost the loss, what you're losing in obedience, what you're losing in living God's calling and following His plans, and you're struggling on everything that you're not going to have, then it's, it's going to drive you away from that. But in the problem, if you learn to look at what you're gaining, you're gaining a new experience, you're gaining new empathy, you're gaining new perspective, you're, gaining new, you're being equipped to help and bless others, to comfort others. That if you look at what you're gaining, then it transforms the way that you are able to solve the problems. And the, uh, the sixth question is, are you failing or are you learning? Proverbs 24, 16 shows us uh, the just man falls seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked, they fall into mischief. And the, the just are not afraid of failing. The wicked are. The wicked feel like, oh, when I fail, that means I'm a failure. And if I'm a failure, no sense of even trying. Because if I try again, I failed in the past, that means I fail in the future. And if I'm going to fail, then why even try and why even do it again? So when the wicked fall, they stay down and they get stuck. And, they, and then they look at their faults, their failures, their problems, their issues, their struggles, their deficiencies. They look at all of these things and they're so terrified of making mistakes. The wicked are so afraid of failing that they don't do anything and, um, and they're constantly in indecision. But friends, indecision is a decision. If we're on the fence constantly, the devil owns the fence. We have to choose Christ. And um, you can turn, what happens when we turn our failures and, and we learn from them, we turn the defeat into victory. By, tur by turning them in our losses into lessons. And when we ask the question, what can I learn from this problem? What can I learn from this experience? What can I learn from this situation? Then it, it really opens our possibilities and it sees like, whoa, I'm actually gaining, I'm growing here. So we could adopt this mindset in Christ, I never lose. I either win or I learn, but I never lose. If we can learn from these losses, then they're not really losses, they're apparent failures. They only appear that way, but really they are a great gain. And uh, this is how the, the just man falls seven times, but the secret is to rise back up again. Your past doesn't determine your future. And uh, the seventh question is, this transformed my life. This has been one of the biggest realizations for me when I was a teenager. I had a lot of mental health challenge. I had a lot of bitterness and forgiveness towards my mom and how we were raised. Now we're very close. Now we work together in ministry. It's a blessing. She's, I, I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a, a better mom. I love her. But back then I was struggling. I struggled for a lot of my, my teenage years. Um, but the question came through, although I cannot change my circumstances. Can I choose my reaction? And the answer is yes. Deuteronomy 30:19. I have set before you blessing and cursing, life or death. Jesus says, choose life that you might live. And um, 
So we, we can't choose our circumstances, but we could choose our reactions. And once we realize that, it's like, wow, how am I going to choose to react? I could trade, I can learn to trade my expectations for appreciation. That whenever I had an expectation and it fell through, when someone didn't meet my expectations, when an event or an experience didn't meet my expectation, I realized from a mentor of mine, Sebastian Braxton, he, he, taught, he taught me that all upsets is because of unmet expectations. And when we realize that all of our upset, all our pain, our suffering can be traced back to an unmet expectation, I challenge you, go, go look in life. Look back every time someone in your household gets upset, think, what was the expectation? And what was unmet? And you could trace it back and you can see, just without a doubt, it's, there's an expectation that wasn't met and that's what gets us upset. So we have to discipline our disappointments. We have to trade our expectations for appreciation by asking, what can I appreciate about this problem? Use our unmet expectation as a trigger that whenever you feel disappointed, just think, oh wait, what can I appreciate about this situation? What can I learn from this? And it will drastically transform the quality of your life. Asking a better quality question, you get a better quality life. You're solving bigger problems. You could tell the size of a man by the size of the problem that lets him down. So what do you let, what do you allow to let you down? We can choose our reactions. And then the last question, and we'll, we'll close here, is um, what, and, and I guess I said it, what are you grateful for about this situation? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, God says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How, many, how much is everything? Everything. All is all. And that means any experience of life, we can give what? Thanks. We can give thanks. But would God ask us to be thankful for something that would do us harm? No. Absolutely not. God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. But the very fact that he, he commands us to be thankful in all things means that everything in life is happening for you and not to you. And when we, uh, yeah, when we feel that life is against us, people is against us, and all these experiences and problems are against us, that's not what the Word of God says. These are for you. These are to equip you. These are to prepare you. These are to help you that problems are helpers. Problems mean solution. Problems mean that it's a sign of life. Problems are gifts. Problems are opportunities. And when you learn to master the solving of these problems, then you can start to have more service, more impact, more uh, add more value to those around you. Every, every product, every organization, every um, every institution, every ministry is solving a problem. God wants us, like our purpose in life is to solve this greatest problem this world has, and that is this problem called sin. And we serve the best problem solver. And when we go to the problem solver, He will help us, but we have not because we ask not. Every problem that we have is because we haven't turned our problems into questions. When we learn to reframe any problem into a question, then we can find answers. As long as it stays in a statement, there's no way of solving it. But the moment we turn it into a question, and we're asking God for wisdom with absolute certainty that there is an answer, I will find it, and it'll be worth it when I do, then He can start solving the problems that we're facing in life. And we can start living a more fulfilling life and live our calling that God has called us to do. So friends, I, I hope that this um, has been helpful for you and is has helped to equip you in learning how to solve the problems that you face. How you can see that your, your biggest problems of life are your greatest gifts, the greatest blessings that we have. And I hope this inspires you to master the skill of solving problems in all areas of your life for you, for your family, for your community, and those around you and those you love. Because God is calling you to be a problem solver. And um, if, you, if you enjoy this Bible study, I encourage you to um, hit like and to subscribe to our YouTube channel and, um, and follow us on social media so you can get more messages just like this. And share this with some other people. Who, who do you know that needs to solve some problems? Who do you know that is looking for solutions? If you can find, thank you brother, um, 
Here at the Army of Youth, the problem that we are seeking to solve is we help young Christians identify, dedicate, and develop their unique talents to Christ in Christ's service. If you know, if you want to identify your life calling, if you know others who are searching for purpose and direction, we realize that an aimless life is a living death, and we don't want anyone to live aimless lives. We envision a world where every young person knows their true calling, knows their true purpose, and leads meaningful lives in the Lord's service. And we are not going to stop until this happens. So if you appreciate this vision, if you appreciate this mission, I encourage you to subscribe and follow us on social media. Let other people know and uh, reach out to us on some of these platforms where you can connect. Um, But until next time, remember that leadership is a skill of influence, nothing more and nothing less. Every man, woman, and child has influence. But the question is, are you using your influence to lead others to Christ?